Hey everyone, this is Nadia. I'm your host of the She Could So She Did podcast where we talk about dating after divorce in your 40s. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and joining me on this journey. I am so excited to create a community for everyone to talk about anything and everything related to dating after divorce. So this is my very first episode. Do me a favor, make sure that you subscribe so you can you can get notified of future episodes and then also check us out on um, social media. So we have a Facebook page. It's the She Could Podcast and then everywhere else you can find me at Nadia Policard. And thank you. So if you have any questions or if you have feedback or anything like that, make sure that you reach out and let me know what things should we discuss. Um, But I am so excited about today's episode, and before um, we get started, I have a quick word from our sponsor. All right, so for today's guest, I have a very special guest. He is a very good friend of mine from undergrad. We've known each other for more than 20 years, and we have had very great conversations um, in recent years just about life in or dating in your 40s I should say Um, so let me let him introduce himself and then we'll get started with some great questions all right Steven go ahead let us know who you are where we can find you what you do all that good stuff hi Nadia well first of all uh, thank you for having me on your podcast my name is Steven Pina I am based out of Philadelphia I am a sports and entertainment lawyer um worked as an MBA agent and still practice such and still practice entertainment law. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. Great. And you are how old? So far, so we have some contact. I am 42. I am 42 and I will be 43 in four days. Oh, already? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, happy early birthday. All right, so Thank you will you. be 43 soon. Now, do you mind sharing with us your current relationship status? Yes, um, my current relationship status is I have been separated for three years and am in the process of finalizing our divorce. Okay, well, um, and this is something that people used to say to me all the time. So is that, would you say, good news? for the best, you know, some people are like, congratulations, or I'm sorry to hear that. What do you think is the appropriate response when you tell people that you are in the process of? For me, um, I think it's kind of both. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I walked into marriage with the expectations of getting divorced. So I don't necessarily think it's a a great thing. Mm -hmm. However, I would say that being stuck in a state of limbo for a long period of time is probably not a good thing either. So that is a good thing to be able to have some resolution and be able to, to move on in the next chapter of your life, letting go of um, codependency issues and, you know, just letting, letting go of those things, I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I agree. You know, a lot of times, like I said, people would tell me, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I would say, you know what, it was for the best. And now, you know, I've been um, like you, my divorce is not final, though. Um, but it's been a three year process. Actually, it's been like three years last month, since um, my former husband and I separated. And it was definitely a journey. 
So one of the things that I found to be most interesting, and you and I have talked about this before, but um, is how different dating is from when we were in our 20s, right? Our teens in our 20s, which is yep. when you and I both met our spouses and yep. how it is today in our 40s. What would you describe to be like one of the biggest differences um, in your experience? Well, for me, I can honestly say that when I met at the time my girlfriend and then my wife, I was a kid. So a lot of the, the uh, quote-unquote game or a lot of the ways to approach a woman um, were very, it, to me, it was actually very organic. I was able to just really be myself. <clears throat> I think that once I got separated and started on these dating apps, well, let me take a step back. When I got separated, I didn't have the same freedom and flexibility that I did when I was 18 years old and a kid on a college campus and had nothing but time on my hands outside of class and track and field. So I didn't, I don't, I didn't have the luxury <clears throat> or the time with now having four kids to go to happy hours or even on days that weren't my days because of sporting events, I was still going to sporting practices and going to these places and also now trying to juggle a career, which was very, very time consuming and travel demanding. So I did use a lot of these dating apps. And that was very, very strange for me because for a person like myself who actually likes to talk and who likes to communicate and who likes to get to know people through conversation, I'm not really a texter. So now I'm having to try to figure out how long we text before we kind of transition into talking or whatever the case may be, or rather than seeing somebody on the set or the quad, I'm now random, randomly texting them throughout the day saying, hey, thinking of you or using emojis. That's very, very difficult to me. I'm kind of old school. I like the idea of being able to just have real genuine conversation. I'm kind of a corny romantic. I like sitting on the phone till 10 o'clock at night saying you hang up first, you know, doing those things that I used to do. So it right. was pretty different. Um, well, let, let me ask you a question. I'm trying to get used to it now. So, mm -hmm. so why not just pick up the phone? If you felt the urge to speak with her and mm -hmm. have those romantic conversations, why not just pick up the phone and be like, hey, I wanted to hear your voice. Are you free? Couple of, couple of things. Okay. One is because I did have kids. And, and you know, I'm, if, if it was during a time where I did have kids, I wasn't ready mm -hmm. to <clears throat> disrupt their lives by having a conversation that they could that they're eavesdropping on me. You know, you have kids, Nadia, so you know yes. sometimes your kids can air hustle and do all those things. <laughs> then respecting her kids, you know, whether or not she could. Um, and then three, also two, not knowing how she felt. So was there a little bit of, I don't want to use the word insecurity, but was there a little bit of <clears throat> uncertainty about how people received, especially if it was somebody younger than me because they're used to texting um, but eventually I got to the point because I'm me. So you're either going to love me or you hate me, but I'm going to be me. So mm -hmm. eventually it did get to the point where I was able to have conversation and get past that. But I didn't really know texting etiquette. I didn't really know what was acceptable. So I had to learn. And I think in both of our cases, we were in committed relationships for a very, very long time. So even just the dynamic of, <clears throat> I didn't date in my 20s. 
So right. I didn't even know proper, you know, I, it was a lot that I had to learn all over again. Yes, definitely agree. And I can certainly relate to that. One of the things I know I had to learn all over again was really like um, the expectation and how often you would see someone. So as you were saying, you know, we're all grown now. Everyone's mm -hmm. got, you know, most people that we are um, dating or interacting with at this stage in our life either have children or, you know, obviously they're, um, you know, in working careers and all that stuff. So it's not like when we were in our 20s or our teens, really, for us, where we can just be like, hey, let's hang out today and every single night, you know? Um, exactly. So setting those expectations, I know for me, was something that I had to learn all over again. So yeah. with, with that said, what would you say, <coughs> you know, since you've had some experience under your wings now with you know, interacting with different women. And I know you've said that you have done the apps, but you've also met some women organically. Um, mm -hmm. When do you determine like whether or not you really want to pursue something or not? Hmm. So that's a loaded question. <clears throat> so initially I would say when my, when my separation first happened, I would say I tried to jump into something immediately. And I can honestly admit to you that a lot of that was because I was trying to fill a void. I don't think I was being sincere and honest within myself about what I was looking for. I think I was just trying to replace the situation that I had. Um, then I gave myself time to allow my heart to open and to be able to receive. And mm -hmm. I think that once that happened, and I was able to step away and kind of look at things organically and see how things progressed. Mm -hmm. I think that I started to take my time a little bit more. However, still kind of stuck in that same 18-year-old, 19-year-old mentality, like you said, having the luxury. All I knew was you meet somebody, you want to spend every single second with them because that was the last time I dated so it was very hard. I couldn't, you know, I was struggling between, hey, am I being too forward? Should I back off? Um, should I try to go out more than once a week? Like, like I'll be honest, like I was totally confused. And I, I still don't even know if I have the answer because like I tell people, I, I was a boy when I got into my last relationship. And even as a man, some of those feelings are things that I still want and I still desire, like those butterflies and things of that kind of nature. And it may sound funny yes. coming from a guy, but it's, but it's very truthful about what it is that I was looking for. So, you know, yeah. I am the kind of guy that when I step into something, I want to be all in. So I would like to spend as much time as a person. So I'm still struggling with that whole concept. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I think women would be very surprised to hear that, what you just said about you, you know, the butterflies, you want to spend time with women. I feel like it's like so many games are being played. I hear so many of my friends who are single saying, oh, I miss him. And I'm like, call him. Oh, I don't want to call him. I just, you know, I sent him a message or I spoke to him yesterday. What? Like that, none of that makes any sense to me. And I feel like too many people have their guard up and too many people are worried yeah. about um, coming 
you know, off too strong. And when you really think about it, when I hear people, when I find people who have been in successful relationships, whether it's, you know, they are now happily married or long-term, well, happily married, I would say just, you know, um, in love and still married because it's, you know, marriage mm -hmm. is difficult and there aren't always going to be happy times. So I like to kind of say mm -hmm. still in love and married um, and happy most of the time that their whole thing was like, when you know, you know, like we just, you know, we, we were all in, we didn't play games. We saw each other every day. Why is it that at this age, some folks are doing what you said, like, I don't want to come off too strong, but I would like to spend all my time with him or her. Well, I think it's exactly what you said. So I think people are, I think people have their guard up. You know, when, you know, when you and I were 18, 19, 20 years old, I think the concept of being hurt or hurting was not as severe because even if you hurt or got hurt, the investment that you made emotionally was not the same that you made with someone that you have been with, you know, 15, 20 plus years. One of the things that I learned from counseling, I did a lot of counseling during this whole process, was that I started to understand that love requires vulnerability. Like you, you, you have to Mm -hmm. You can't you can't put one foot in with love. You know you kind of got to right. jump both feet in, and the and the reality of it is that the the possibility of being hurt does exist. The possibility of being disappointed does exist. But that's what makes love such a beautiful thing is because because of the uncertainty, because of the you know you don't get butterflies for something that you know is going to happen. You get butterflies for the unexpected, for the uncertain. And I think that people are so afraid to be hurt like you know we always you know you always hear this cliche and you know you mostly hear it with women where men say oh she got a lot of baggage and shit with her now the reality of it is guys have baggage too you know guys have the same baggage guys are just not honest and vulnerable to admit their baggage yes. you know guys hurt guys get sad guys guys miss guys love and the most thing that guys do is guys realize when they fuck up you know, when guys realize they have a good woman and whatever the circumstances were or things that they did in the marriage, in, internally, they may take accountability, but they're afraid to admit that they fucked up. Mm. And so, so ladies, guys have baggage too. And, you know, if there is a guy who who is vulnerable and who is honest and who is open, you know, that's a good thing. But I think on yeah. both sides, both parties are afraid to be open, honest, and vulnerable because they're afraid to take that, that step back out now because now we all know what it feels like to have hurt or been hurt. Right. Okay. So you said guys are, you know, they have baggage and sometimes they're afraid or, you know, was it, you said they're afraid to take accountability for, you know, maybe what mm -hmm. they've done in the past. So mm -hmm. how do they handle that then? So do you think that they go into the relationship or, um, you know, basically ignoring the problems that caused their demise in the previous relationship or what? Absolutely. And if we can be real with it, you know, and I may be giving away some emotional secrets, but, you know, listen, you know, we, we're having a podcast, we're trying to help and inspire and, and talk about it. Mm -hmm. I can only speak from the perspective of a, of a black man. And I've, I've said this on numerous occasions. I don't think that we as men were taught how to love. Mm. I think we were taught how to be, I think that our fathers taught us how to be providers, how to be fathers, how to even 
walk down the aisle. But the one thing that I've learned from counseling that love is a, is, is a verb, it's not a word. And having the ability to emotionally submit to your woman does not make you less of a man. It does not make you a punk or any of those things. It makes you human and it makes you real. But mm. because we've had, as black men, we have had to put on masks and wear masks for such a long time, we were not given the proper tools to be able to deal with our emotions and our insecurities. Mm. So we did wear a lot of masks. And now what's happening is that I think these men, again, internally, we know we fucked up. You know, mm. we know what we did wrong. But externally, we're still not willing to acknowledge and admit what we actually did, where we actually went wrong, and things of that kind of nature. So yeah, a lot of men sometimes still carry the same traits into the next relationship. It's easy to say, okay, well, I'll do better or I'll try this. But until you're able to really be emotionally vulnerable, Mm -hmm. I don't know if a man can truly love the way he would like to because he's afraid. And again, I can only speak from men of color but right. you know, we we don't know. We were not given the we, we were not taught how to to be emotionally vulnerable because we always whether it was how we thought the white man was going to treat us or whether I mean if you just think about it, Nadia, think about growing up. So we're around the same age. Think about what we grew up in the nineties. Snoop right. Dogg. We don't love these hoes. <laughs> you know, like we weren't taught. <laughs> we were not taught how to properly value women okay so with that said what can they do today though what what can men do today so now here we are you know counseling okay so counseling now the stigma we both know yeah we both so i agree counseling is definitely one way to overcome you know some of the emotional struggle struggles insecurities etc that we've you know all talked about and that can really help not help, but um, cause relationships not to move forward or thrive. Um, mm-hmm. So, but we know too, the reality is that, especially in the African-American community, a lot of people shun, you know, upon getting counseling. Like they, like men yep. feel like that's a sign of weakness. So with yep. that said, what are, you know, women, black women, women of color even, supposed to do if they want to find themselves a strong black man? Um, no, that's you know, if, if the majority of you aren't getting the help, then what? What? So do we, well, yeah. you know, what do we do? That's the million dollar question. Um, I mean, that really is the million dollar question. It's almost like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I don't think, I can honestly tell you, having been someone who did not do counseling. And by the way, my counseling was not to save my marriage. My counseling was to save myself. My counseling was to figure out where I was fucking up, you know, what I was doing wrong. Even some of the things that I was doing right, could I have done better? Um, so it was more so about myself. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, man, that's a tough one, Nadia, because I would be, because again, and I could be biased and jaded towards counseling. And I do agree with you that African-American men in particular, there's a statistic that shows that African-American men are the least likely to go to counseling because we don't like people inside of our heads. And it dates mm. back to, you know, concepts of slavery and um, emasculation by, by the white man. I mean, a bunch of things. Um, 
I don't know what to tell a good black woman about that because I will say this, if he does not have counseling, you know, sometimes people say, well, if he got hit with the sledgehammer, he learned his lesson. That is a possibility. There is some truth to that. You know, if I always say this to, to women, men don't fear the threat. We fear the punch. You know, you can tell me all day long, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave you. If you don't do this, I'll find somebody else. If you don't do this, I'm going to hold out. I, it's cool. We don't fear threats. We fear mm-hmm. getting hit with the bottle, not the threat of getting hit with the bottle. Um, so that is a possibility of a man who has been humbled. However, I think that that may also be short term because I think the man has to really take accountability. Like this is a much deeper conversation in my opinion mm-hmm. because it's, you're trying to unlearn a, un- unlearn a whole lot of learned behaviors, Nadia, that we as black men have been taught at a very, very early age. I mean, think about some of the things that we were taught. And men may not want to admit it. Like well, what? If, you, if you're going to cheat on your woman, just don't. If you're going to cheat on your woman, just don't let her know. Like, you know what kind of fucked up ass statement <laughs> is that? That is, like, you're, you're basically tell, you're telling me men. Are, you're telling me men are actually taught that. Instead of saying, don't do it, they're Absolutely. taught, if you do it, just don't let her know. Absolutely. Wow. That's how we were programmed. So to, so to us, well, I if mean, you were, if you had to give us just your best guess, like what percentage mm-hmm. of men do you think actually subscribe to this or were taught that or were told something like this? What percentage of men today do you think? If you had to guess, <laughs> like think about your man, boys. I don't want to set you, man, I'm about to get hit with a whole lot of snitching. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't tell I, anybody. I'm just saying like what No, percentage? no, no. I wouldn't mention any names, but I think. I, I think I, well over 90%. Wow, I don't think that's we were, disturbing. Yeah. That's it is, really but disturbing. I don't think, listen, and <laughs> you, may get some, you may get some people that comment and say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Again, listen, I don't go to women to figure out how men think. Uh, I go to women true. here to figure out how women think. Like, that's the one thing that I've learned. Like, if you really, and that's, so that's the other problem, right? So, we were going to other men. Like, we were listening. Think about this. We were listening to men. I'm listening to my father. I'm listening to my old heads. I'm listening to my frat brothers. Yo, this is what you do. Boom, 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 pow. We're not getting proper advice because, again, so now we're getting learned behaviors from dudes who, who were not willing to be honest and vulnerable. They, they weren't telling us the proper things. They were, you know, take your woman out on the date. Bring her flowers. That's cool. Right. But what about when she's really emotionally vulnerable? Or what about, think about what they say. Men don't like to talk about their finances. You ever wonder why that is? Because we're, even if we make a lot of money, because we're insecure, we don't want anybody to look at us. We don't want anybody to judge us. See, I never, I never do that. I've never heard that. I feel like a lot of oh, men yeah, are like men proud. Like suddenly, if hmm. they make a lot, well, hold on. Men, are, men may be proud to brag. But men don't talk about their financial woes. If you go look at statistically what, mo- what a lot of arguments are about, sex, children, and money. So what's yes. the money portion relate to? It relates to how we spend. How many times have, has a man, you know, your wife may know your FICO score, your wife may know your bank account, but, you, but the chick that you over here trying to get at, all she knows is that you came with a nice suit. She doesn't realize that's the only one in your closet. You're going to put your best foot forward for her and show her because you want her to think that you're balling. 
guys always talk about that. Like, like there's something that, and I think you and I've had this conversation, which may be a very touchy subject about depreciating and appreciating assets. Yes, I was going to ask Men. you that question. Let's talk about it. Tell us. So you have a Go theory. Ahead. It's not your theory, but there is a theory. I read it. I read it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. There is a theory about women being appreciating or depreciating assets. Tell us what it is. So I read a theory talking about men and women. And it says that as women get older, they become depreciating assets because they are looked at, honestly, physically. You know, men don't really care about how much money a woman makes. That's, that's not really relevant to them. Mm-hmm. What they care about is how she looks, is how she carries herself, is how she, you know, how she is in bed. All of those things. And as a woman gets older, those things naturally depreciate. Mm. Whereas a man, where and this is a theory, by the way, ladies. And as a you man, you did say naturally. We are, but okay. Well, because age. Well, because age. So, so if you're going off of this theory, as you're aging, you know, and again, and if you have kids, are your boobs sagging? Are you, you know, gray hair? I mean, just things that naturally are going to happen that are still beautiful, by the way. But it's again, it's just the psychology behind, you know, well, let me ask you, physically, 28-year-old Nadia versus 42-year-old Nadia, you know, did you have to do the same things to maintain? I don't know the answer to that question, but that's the kind of concept. So I think for me, at 28, I already had three kids, so I'm not like your typical, Mm -hmm. you know, so my body had gone through the whole you know, gaining 50 to 60 pounds with each pregnancy. I'm, you know, a petite woman. I'm only five, one and a half. But Mm -hmm. I will tell you that today at 42, I am way more not just confident in my body, but I feel like I, um, I'm at a healthier weight and everything Mm -hmm. is like, I, I like the 42 year old version of me than not internally, which I do, but I'm just saying externally, Mm -hmm. I think the 42-year-old Nadia is in much better shape than she was at 28. Now, if you compare me to 18-year-old Nadia, that's a whole different story. But then I was just a young girl. Okay. But not okay, fair point. So way. not every woman feels that way. Right. So so now conversely, men are deemed appreciating assets because women don't marry. I mean, I'm not saying that they would not be interested, but men don't necessarily marry for looks anymore, second time around. They're marrying for financial stability. They're marrying for something. Wait, and as a man men gets marry older, for looks the second time around. Is that true? No, no, no. Women. No, women. I'm sorry, oh, women. Women, women, women. I would agree. Yeah. With that. Yes, so definitely. So now you're looking at a man being appreciate an appreciating asset because you want to you want to assume that a man between his, his prime earning, most people's prime earning potential is between 40 and 53. So as a man is aging his financial status should be appreciating, which now makes him more attractive to a woman because women, as they get older, they want financial stability. Whereas men get older, we want emotional stability. And if you think about this, when men are 25, if they're not in a committed relationship, we try to fuck everything that walks. But at 45 years old, we're trying to have emotional stability. We want to sit, we're, we're old, you know, our shit may not get hard. You know, I mean, just, you know, just a bunch of different things that our bodies physically, you know, we may have a dad bod or whatever the case may be, right? So now you're looking at it and you're saying, 
Well, I want somebody to watch Netflix with. I want somebody to lay my head, you know, their head on my shoulder. I want somebody to, we can sleep in the same bed and spoon. You know, I want all those things. I want to do family things, right? So now we're looking for the emotional stability. So there is that theory behind appreciating and depreciating assets. Okay, so I hear And by the way, that's a theory. I'm not saying I subscribe <laughs> to it, but I do actually understand it. Okay, and you're and would you say like this is something that guys talk about like y'all like, yeah, you know, she's a great let, let's say they're talking about a 45-year-old woman, the man is 45 to 50, right? So they're within the same age. They might have been at on campus at the same time. So you're saying most of them might say she's smart, you know, she's accomplished great conversation. However, I could get the same thing from a younger version of her who might be 35. Absolutely. Mm. And, that, and that's how we, and that's how we think. And I, and again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman saying, Hey, dude is fine, but there's this 45 year old dude who's just as fine. And he makes 600,000 as opposed to making 150,000. <laughs> So I don't, you know, yeah. so again, because it's what, at your life, what you're looking for, I don't think anything is wrong with it. Now, when a man turns 50, so the funny thing is, I think both parties might be on the same age at about 55, because at 55, the man should be financially stable, and he's not trying to bang a 35-year-old girl, so maybe at that point, people are on the same page. But again, a lot of this is really predicated specifically, in my opinion, on men really doing the homework and really, really doing the self-reflection and really looking at themselves in the mirror. Because I also believe that <clears throat> women, to some extent, are incubators. You know, mm. what, we, what, we, what we pour into you, you're going to give back to us. If you are a beautiful flower, which you are, and a man waters you with pure water, he feeds you. He, and when I say feeds you, mm. I don't mean literally, he treats you like the rose that you are you're going to blossom into something amazing. Absolutely. That is so true. And pours, what, mm -hmm, go ahead. But if he pours shitty water on you and, and he kicks you and he treats you bad, you may, you may bloom into a, 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 you know, a, a, a rose with thorns or weeds or whatever, because that's what he, that's what he fed you. Mm -hmm. So until a man, and in order for a man to properly feed a woman, emotionally, I'm talking about ladies, He's yes. got to first, he's got to, he's got to get rid of the bad, uh, bad learned behaviors that he learned at a very early age. And I don't care what man listens to this. I don't care what they tell their woman. I know the conversations that men have with other men. No man is, no man is telling another man at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old. Monogamy is a good thing. Being faithful is a good wow. thing. Trusting your woman. Being emotionally vulnerable is a good thing. I don't know. Not, I don't know about that. that. I don't know about that. I think that, like, okay, the men that are saying this, let me ask you, like, are they, like, mm -hmm. you know, in, are they married? Or are they um, in long-term relationships? Would you describe their marriage to be, like, loving and healthy? <sighs> That's a trick question. Is it, Not really, you know, again, because you I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take advice from a woman who has never been in a healthy relationship, forget even married at this point, you know, because mm -hmm. marriage is not for everyone. But if you, if you have no history of a healthy relationship, 
I think I would be open to listening to what you have to say. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, there might be a reason, a common denominator there. And some people might like, might not, not appreciate this, but a common denominator as to why you have not been in a healthy relationship ever at this point in your life. And again, I'm really speaking to the 40 plus audience. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the one thing that you said. You said women. Again, I think women and men, unfortunately, are very, very different in terms of their level of vulnerability. So, you, so you're asking me, so if I meet a man and I ask a man, hey, OG, I need you to school me. I need you to tell me what has a successful marriage. What is his response is, don't let her find out your dirt. Because mm, that, wow. that, that could be his response. <laughs> So, so to me, I'm like, well, damn, yeah. you got a good marriage. That's but true. The reality of it is, is that, so, cause, cause men are not going to tell other men. Listen, I, <laughs> I'm Wait, single. wait, wait, finish I'm that. I'm telling you. Are you wait, finish that. Oh. Are you saying men aren't going to tell other men to be faithful? Was that what you were going to say? Men are not, men are not going to tell because they're, cause nine times out of 10, they're, and I'm not saying they're faith, they're unfaithful consistently. I'm saying that they have some periods with their life where they may have done something that was inappropriate. Mm. And by the way, unfaithful I, I does not necessarily mean... I, I need to hear from more people on that one. Okay. <laughs> but okay, I mean, so, I hear you. Way, I hear you. I think you are speaking so by the way, generally. Yes, go ahead. So by the way, unfaithful does not necessarily mean having a physical relationship. You and I both That's can true. agree that an emotional relationship could be just as dangerous, if not more than a physical one. If you have a guy, if you are a stay-at-home mom, and I am a stay-at-home dad, and we both work from home, and you're, you're working on, you know, your, your, um, your internet marketing, and I'm doing what, you know, what, I'm, I'm writing a blog, and every day we both have two two-year-old kids, and we walk to the park every single day at the same time, and we sit and we talk for hours, and at night you're thinking about, I can't wait to be at the park at one o'clock to meet Steve. And now you're doing your hair for when you meet Steve at the park. We may never kiss. We may never have sex. We may never have to do anything. But the emotional bond that is, that is formed by us physically going to that park every single day at two o'clock to spend an hour and you going home and you thinking about me and me thinking about you. That's just, that's more dangerous than me going to Columbia for the weekend with my boys and just having a one-off. Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that to me sounds like a friendship, a supporting friendship, and it can be an outlet. But I think if the, um, you know, intentions ultimately are not, you know, friendly, then yes, I definitely see that as being dangerous. Or if you're if you are not allowing your spouse, your significant other to have that sort of emotional support from you, then that's certainly dangerous. Okay, so last well, question. Or if we, you're not, go ahead. Hmm? Yep, go ahead. No, no go ahead. Yeah, so last question, because we are almost out of time, and just tell me real brief, as you are mm -hmm. dating a woman, and I kind of asked this question before, like, what is a mm -hmm. red flag where you are like, nope, this is where um, our story ends? Like, what is that one thing that you're like, nah, not dealing with it? Ooh, <laughs> man. You want the superficial answer or you want the... Anything, some of just that, the some honest that, answer, because we're all about transparency here. Well, I know what mine is. All right. Mine, mine well, is... Some of that like, is looks. Okay. But you've already met her, so you yeah. already know what she looks like. Oh, okay. So I've already met her. Um, I would say the biggest turnoff for me is 
if she is not willing, I got it. Because I think that when women have been hurt, I think they put their guard up, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that they carry their baggage forward. Mm -hmm. If I feel like a woman has not taken any accountability for her, for her role in the demise of her relationship, that's a, that's definitely a red flag to me because mm-hmm. at this point in my life, through having because we're because at night we're going to keep repeating the same we're going to keep repeating the same mistakes. Like if she's like, "Well, I didn't do anything wrong," or "I didn't do this," or "I'm just angry." That's going to be very tough for me because one, you're not going to give me a fair chance, and two, your guard is going to prevent you from being vulnerable. And I think the key with any successful relationship is honest communication. Yes. Yes, my, but my, what's yours though? yeah, my, like, um, what do you call it? I don't know. Why I can't think of the word, um, deal breaker. Red flag. My, yeah. Red yep. flag and deal breaker is dishonesty. And I don't even care what it's about. Like if I find out you are being dishonest and it's worse, if it's about something stupid, this is a no brainer mm-hmm. for me. Cause how can we move forward in a healthy way? How can we build a foundation in any kind of yeah. way? If you are being dishonest about significant or insignificant things that's that to me that's like you've got some internal issues and i'm not willing to move forward with someone if they are dishonest here's the thing okay but here's the thing i think we're saying the same thing because it's just worded differently because that still goes back to if a person at this point in their life is being dishonest they're still dealing with some insecurities and they're still they're still dealing with the inability to be vulnerable and that's the one thing nadia that i will tell you the biggest mistake and again i have no problem sharing this the biggest mistake that I made, um, and I was married to a good woman, so I'm, and I'm never going to say anything negative because she was a good woman. Um, well, she is a good woman. The biggest mistake that I made was not being emotionally vulnerable and being, um, and I would almost say being emotionally negligent to some extent, because as a man, I was not thinking. I thought to myself, as long as I took care of all of these material thing everything else would just be okay because that's what I was taught so I would Mm -hmm. say moving forward one of the things that I really really try to focus on is being very very open and vulnerable and the funny part about it is and I'll just say this in closing is that which is why men are the way they are I have friends who say to me, Steve, you're single, man, you should be out here just doing everything possible. And when I talk to them about this particular issue, it's so funny to see how many men shut down. Ah, man, I might try to hear all that shit. And I might try to hear all that, man, just do this, do this. And I'm like, yo, bro. So when I, so then that makes me not want to have the conversations, which is why I feel more comfortable talking to a friend like you, because mm-hmm. I think that you can understand and empathize rather than judge because I'm telling you like, yeah, like I would really love to have honest, emotional and open conversations, things that I was not willing to do in the past. Got it. Well, this was a great conversation, Stephen. I really appreciate you joining and being one of my first guests. So, you know, we are just getting started here with the She Could So She Did podcast. And it really is like, you know, me just like, oh, I could do it. So I did it type of thing, conversation. So I appreciate you. Um, I hope that you will come back and join us later on. I would love to. Yeah, as your journey continues, as you transition from married life to single life and maybe back into, do you, wait, real quick, do you plan to get married again? Would you like to? 
Okay, that's good. To I would like to. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm not gonna say absolutely, but I would say I would like to because I'm not going to okay. force anything or just do it for that purpose. But as, yeah. I, I can tell you unequivocally, yeah, like the, I think the single dating multiple women is like that's not really for me at this point in my life. Got it. All right. Well, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Take care. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too.